Welcome on into episode 151 of the Sco Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield. Happy to be back in the big chair for today, Wednesday, November 18th, 2020. Big show today. We're going to do a couple different things. We're going to look back at the offense against the Baltimore Ravens, and we're going to look ahead to the Houston Texans. We're going to talk some Deshaun Watson. We're going to talk some Texans defense, so a lot to get to. I'm going to dive into it in a second, but before we do that, your usual cavalcade of reminders at the outset do follow along with the work. On Twitter, at Mark Schofield, Matt Wildman's rookie scouting portfolio, not one, not two, but three SB Nation websites. Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and of course, right here at Pat's Pulpit. And yes, Touchdown Wire, part of the USA Today Wire Network. Power Rankings came out, Patriots cracked inside the top 20. Big week. Big week. But it was a big week for the New England Patriots as they do get a big win over the Baltimore Ravens that has pushed them on the cusp of playoff relevance, but they'll need to take care of the Houston Texans on this Sunday. We're going to talk about the Texans in the second half of the show. But the first half of the show, I want to dive into the Patriots offense because I do think perhaps over the past two weeks or so, maybe the last three weeks, They've established a bit of an identity on the offensive side of the ball. And so I want to talk about that for a moment. And the first thing I want to focus on, and I did a piece on Pat's pulpit that you can check out to sort of follow along with what I'm talking about here. The crack toss design, because that has sort of become a core element of what they're doing conceptually in the run game. Now, we all know, look, the running game has become a very big part of where they are right now on the offensive side of the ball. And the crack toss play is a big part of it. There are a number of examples of that play from Sunday night. And the core design, the core components of this are crack block from a wide receiver working inside. And then you get tackles, offensive line flowing into space. And you know one example of this, they usually run it out of an eye formation, usually your standard eye, quarterback under center, You bring Jacoby Myers, at least in one of the examples that I highlight in the piece, into short motion. So he starts in in the outside alignment of an inverted slot. So the inside receiver is on the line of scrimmage. The outside receiver is off the line of scrimmage. That's your inverted slot. Traditional slot, outside receiver on, inside receiver off. So you have the receiver outside off the line of scrimmage, which enables him to come in motion. He will come in motion, what we call sort of short motion. He doesn't cross the football, doesn't even get to the tackle. He really just motions into just inside of the receiver that's on the line of scrimmage. And his responsibility is to crack block. Usually it is the defensive end, the end man on the line of scrimmage, that you crack on. Sometimes if you're in a bare front as a defense and that sort of end man on the line of scrimmage is over a guard, you're not working inside to him. You're going to work immediately then to the next threat, which will be that linebacker. But on the play that I highlight... That end man on the line of scrimmage is outside Isaiah Wynn, the left tackle, in a two-point stance. So that's your initial block. That's the crack element of it. The crack inside. That's called a crack block. Next element of it is it allows the left tackle to pull into space. Isaiah Wynn doesn't have to worry about the defensive end, the end man on the line of scrimmage. He immediately goes to the outside. So you get the crack block inside. On the end man on the line of scrimmage, 
and then you get the left tackle moving into space. Now, the other receiver also blocks down. On this example, Damian Bird actually blocks the defensive end as well. Actually, actually, it's Nikhil Harry. He blocks the defensive end as well and then works up to the second level. But sometimes that player might also crack inside onto a linebacker. You'll notice a theme there. Nobody's blocking a cornerback. We don't block cornerbacks, okay? Either you let the pull-in tackle take care of that, or maybe the fullback, Jacob Johnson, who's going to lead the way, or you just say, look, cornerbacks don't tackle, period, full stop. So we'll leave them unblocked, and we'll let the running back handle it. But on this play, you get the two crack blocks inside. Isaiah Wynn gets out into space. Defensive back Marlon Humphrey tries to be the force player here to spin this back to the inside. Well, Isaiah Wynn blocks him. And then you get Jakob Johnson flowing in front of it as well. And it really just moves everything in front of Damian Harris. It sets up a nice real convoy for him. So that's your basic element of the crack toss play. But the problem, as we all know, is that defenses will adjust to your adjustments. So you have to start showing different things off of that. And the Patriots did a couple of different things on Sunday night against the Ravens, off of this crack toss design. Now, one of them was actually a play that they ran out of an offset pistol formation, so it wasn't really going to have a crack toss element, but you had that pre-snap motion where you have the inverted slot, you have Nikhil Harry come in that short motion. It looks like crack toss, potentially, you know, although you have the offset pistol, so you don't expect a pitch. But you might be thinking they're going to run that same sort of element just as a handoff. They'll pull the tackle, got to worry about the crack block. But what they do on this play instead is they run a short trap. Nikhil Harry doesn't down block. He actually works up to the third level and aims himself for the safety. But you still have the left tackle ignoring the end man on the line of scrimmage. He blocks down. On the defensive tackle, Edman comes up field, and he gets trapped by the right guard, Shaq Mason, who's pulling. Lead block from the offset fullback, Jakob Johnson, and it's a lead power out of this offset pistol with a crack toss pre-snap movement. You get Jakob Johnson, you know, takes on the linebacker, filling the hole. Nikhil Harry misses his block on the safety, unfortunately, but it doesn't matter. Because Damian Harris is able to get to the third level before anybody threatens him. And he makes that defender miss in space. And so that's one variation they used on Sunday night. They showed the pre-snap crack toss elements, but then they ran sort of power trap. And then this play was interesting. This is the third video in the video that I did. If you remember that second and nine on New England's final drive where Cam Newton had to sort of bail the pocket and found Jacob Johnson in the flat for that juggle and catch that he made to get pick up a first down. They come out with Newton under center, your standard eye formation, inverted slot, receiver comes in motion. That screams to everybody, crack toss. And in this point of the game, you're trying to run clock, even though it's second and nine, you might expect New England to run crack toss. And you know who did was the slot corner. The inside corner saw the inverted slot, and before the receiver went in motion, he starts gesturing towards him like, come to me, as in, I see what's happening here. I know you're going to run crack toss. I know you're going to bring him in motion. I know everything that's going to happen on this play. And what happens? They don't run it. They don't run crack toss. 
Instead, they run basically a play-action design with a little flood element, Johnson to the flat, receiver that came in motion on a crosser, and then a deep route over the top of it. What's good about this design, at least the old mobile quarterback inside of me likes what they do here, everything's flowing towards the right sideline. And so when Newton gets pressured off the edge by, off over the right tackle, he knows he can bail to the right, and it's setting up at least a two-level read for him, including Jakob Johnson in the flat. That's where he goes with the football, and they pick up a first down. But I thought it was interesting how they sort of showed that pre-snap element of the crack toss, but then moved away from it and ran play action on a second and nine. I thought that was a really good play call. Now I want to talk about the pass game. There wasn't a lot to really highlight, but I did want to mention three plays. The first one, and two of these three plays, well, all three involved Jacoby Myers. The first two involve how well Myers is doing at threatening and then breaking off of leverage. This first play, again, this is in the piece over at Pat's pulpit. He's aligned to the right. He has press man coverage over him pre-snap, but right at the snap, just before that defender bails into zone technique. And he's using outside leverage to force him to the middle of the field where there is help from the post safety. What's interesting about what Myers does here is he starts angling his route towards the outside to stress the outside leverage of that defender. And it causes that defender to widen. When that defender starts to drop, initially Myers is aligned above the top of the numbers on the right side. So he's about two yards inside the top of the numbers, as is the corner. When the corner starts to bail pre-snap, he gets himself to a landmark at the top of the numbers, so he's about two yards outside of Myers. Myers pushes his route from two yards inside the numbers to when he makes his break, he's on the bottom of the numbers, and that corner keeps that same leverage of two yards outside of him, so now he's two yards below the numbers. So you can give yourself the landmarks in your mind if you're just listening along. And that's when Myers breaks to the inside. And so now that's a leverage situation that he has stressed, pushed him towards the boundary. Now this defender is two yards below the numbers. He breaks inside. He's wide open. And Newton makes a great throw, puts it on him. Great throw, great catch. He gets speared, attacks on the personal foul. The other play that again, uses this ability of him to stress leverage, interestingly enough, starts with under center quarterback, eye formation, inverted slot, and you get Jacoby Myers coming in that short motion. So the defense is thinking, crack toss here. But again, they run play action, and we get the stress of the leverage from Jacoby Myers. Now this time, he's sort of working from a tight alignment, Corner uses press bail where he doesn't jam him. He's in a press alignment pre-snap, and he uses outside leverage again. This time, Myers stresses it by working to the inside, gets him to think he's working across the field. We all know everybody that's watched the Patriots over the last 20 years, including this year, knows they love play-action crossers. It's one of their staple elements. So the corner, Marcus Peters, is thinking... He's running cross, or he's going to work across the formation. So he opens his hips to the middle of the field, starts the chase. And as soon as he does that, Myers feels it, sees it, breaks to the outside on the out route. Newton's just waiting for him, puts it on him. Great route, great throw, great catch, and you tack on another personal foul. So really good job on both of those plays from Jacoby Myers, sort of stressing the leverage and then 
taking advantage of what happens and what the defender does in relation to him. The final play, I'll just mention briefly, the double pass. Great job by everybody. Jacoby Myers gets popped, knows it's coming, makes a great throw, great route, great catch. Everybody did a fantastic job. So that's your look back, up ahead, a look forward. We talk Houston, we talk to Sean Watson, we talk the Texans defense, which is bad, and how the Patriots should be able to win this one. That's all ahead here on episode 151 of the Go Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 151 of the Go Show. Going to talk about the Houston Texans right now. And despite their record, despite their struggles, had another loss last week against the Cleveland Browns where they didn't really get a chance to do much done offensively, scored the one touchdown. I think it's important to remember something. Deshaun Watson is playing at an extremely high level. And this is actually a tweet from last Sunday. So not you know week 10, but week 9. He is playing football as well as many quarterbacks have had before him, but just a handful of quarterbacks. Here's what I mean. After their win last Sunday, so again, week nine, Texans PR staff, who prior to the head of the PR staff being released for reasons beyond my comprehension, they tweeted out that Deshaun Watson joined Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Steve Young, and Peyton Manning as the only players with at least 275 passing yards and a 105 passer rating in five consecutive games in a season in NFL history. Anytime as a quarterback, you join a list that only includes Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Steve Young, and Peyton Manning, you are in some rarefied air. And he had, despite their struggles, two amazing throws against the Cleveland Browns. The first was the play, some of you probably saw it, third and six. 6.33 6.33 mark, fourth quarter. You're down 10 nothing. You need a play. You get pressure on him. Edge defender is just basically unblocked. Not even Miles Garrett. You know, because you obviously shift your protection towards Miles Garrett. He's unblocked. And he's fallen down, is Deshaun Watson. And somehow has the play strength to remain upright just enough to make a throw downfield to Randall Cobb that goes for a first down. Goes for a 29-yard gain. And then he gets the touchdown, and this is the touchdown that he throws to Farrell Brown. It's one of the two things that they are doing, and it's this dates back to before Bill O'Brien, but they're doing it at a much better level right now to sort of help Watson in the passing game. One of the things they do, under center, condensed formations. Because this play, Watson is under center. If you want to see it, first and 10, 504 marker of the fourth quarter. He's under center. It's a tight two by two out of 12 personnel. And they run four verticals out of it. Now, you actually get kind of a bust in a sense because both Farrell Brown, who's the wing tight end to the left, and Will Fuller, their routes are really close to each other. The guys on the right side do a much better job of sort of getting space on theirs because the two outside receivers, they run sort of out and ups. Fuller really cuts his out really short, takes like one step. So so even though Farrell, when he bends his vertical route to the outside, you get two receivers in a really close formation. But Watson does a really good job. You get 
from the defense, you're going to get a cover three look. So he opens his eyes to the right side, frees that free safety, and then he hits Farrell Brown. Sandejo gets there late, and you get the touchdown. So that's one thing that they do. They run a lot of their stuff out of condensed formations with the quarterback under center. We get a lot of Yankee, Mills, play action off of that. But the other thing that I just talked about, the manipulation from Watson, he is so good at moving defenders with his eyes. And where it really shows up, they love to go empty. They love to spread you out. And this might be because of some concerns they have with protecting Watson. But they love to go empty. And what Watson needs to do there is manipulate, usually underneath defenders. And one of the toughest things to do as a quarterback is to move a defender against his will and responsibility. Now, when you go empty, a lot of times the underneath defender, that linebacker, has to open to three, right? You have to open your hips to the three side, the three receiver side. And so if you want to throw to that receiver on, say, a slant route, you have to somehow get him to ignore that responsibility and come to the two receiver side. And Watson is tremendous at doing that. I can't tell you guys and girls who are listening to this show how many times over the past couple of years I have seen Watson do that, including this year. I'm going to walk through just one example right now. This is from week five. It's a play that happens uh, second quarter, 509 mark. It's a first and 10 for the Houston Texans. And they go empty. Three by two, three receivers to the right, two receivers to the left. And Watson wants to throw that slant route to the number three receiver on the right. And to do that, you have to move the underneath hole defender because they're in cover one here. Single high. So you have corners over each boundary receiver. Then you have slot guy, slot guy over the slot receiver to the left, middle trips guy to the right. And then you have the two underneath linebackers. One linebacker is shaded over number three to the right. And the other linebacker is your underneath rat, your underneath hole defender whose responsibility is to take away the slant route. That's his responsibility, and he will open to number three. He will open to the three-receiver side. So his job is to take away this route, and I cannot stress that enough. Otherwise, none of what is I'm about to tell you will seem as magical as it is. And yes, that is our first of what will be many references to A Christmas Carol. Those of you that have been along for this crazy ride of mine know that Holiday season, Dickens, Christmas Carol. Like, it's on the nightstand now. Like, I start reading it right around Thanksgiving time, every single year. I'm a sap for it. What can I say? But it's true. You have to understand that this linebacker's sole job in the world right now is to help on that route. But what does Watson do? He takes the snap and he stares immediately at the slot receiver on the left who is running a hitch route. Immediately, full stop, that's where his eyes go. And what does that linebacker do? He sees that and jumps it. And what happens when Watson comes back and throws the slant route in the middle of the field, you have that other linebacker who's playing outside leverage because he expects help on the slant route from the middle of the field, rat defender, standing there, 
hips open towards the middle of the field where he's supposed to be wondering, where's my help? That help is double covering a curl route, and now you have the slant receiver running free. And Watson hits him in stride, and it is a huge gain because it goes for a touchdown. A touchdown of, I'm trying to do the math here, 44 yards. A 44-yard touchdown on a slant route to a tight end because Watson moved that rat defender with his eyes. And so that's the task facing the Patriots this week. All the other stuff about Watson and the play action and, of course, the athleticism, yes, you have to keep it in mind. But his ability to manipulate underneath defenders with his eyes is critical. He's so good at it. And it's going to be something the Patriots have to be ready for. On the flip side, you get to go against a defense that's bad. You get to go up against a defense that's pretty, pretty bad. Let's sort of start with some numbers here. Right now, through seven games, the Texans have allowed an average of 28 points per game. Only six teams, Dallas, Jacksonville, the Jets, Detroit, Seattle, and Denver, are allowed more points per game. That's not great if you're a defense. In terms of rushing run defense, Houston Texans, they are allowing 167 yards per game on the ground. Now, part of that is probably due to game script because teams have a lead, they want to pound the ball. But they're also allowing 5.2 yards per attempt. Both of those numbers, 167.4 per game, 5.2 per attempt, worst in the league. So you could certainly run the ball on this team. And that is obviously a strength of the New England Patriots right now. They are allowing an adjusted net yards per attempt by opposing passers this year of 7.8, which is third highest in the league. And if you wanted sort of a reference point for that, if you were like, hmm, 7.8, is that good? A quarterback with an adjusted net yards per attempt of 7.8 right now would be fourth in the league behind Mahomes, Rodgers, and Ryan Tannehill. He'd be Derek Carr, or just ahead of Derek Carr. He'd be just ahead of Deshaun Watson. He'd be ahead of Drew Brees and Russell Wilson and Josh Allen and all those guys you're hearing about in MVP contention. So they're basically generating an op- a generic opposing passer opponent of an MVP candidate. Now, I do want to mention two specific things. One, Zach Cunningham. I loved him coming out of Vanderbilt. I thought he was a great linebacker prospect. You can set him up in the run game. You look at a couple of runs that they've given up this year. He will chase. So if you are a running back and you press what looks to be the gap or the hole or the area on zone and then bounce... He's going to dive down into the wrong hole. He will chase with his eyes and with his feet. So that's one thing to keep in mind. The other thing to keep in mind, their corners aren't great. When they play man, when they play zone, their eyes, when they play zone specifically, their eyes get caught in the backfield. When they play man, their corners have stiff hips. They're not turning quickly. You can get open against these guys in the downfield passing game. And for an offense that seems to have some opportunities in the downfield passing game, this is a good week to take some shots. You know, particularly 
off of play action when you've got linebackers that will bite and corners that can get spun. So I think this is a week that the Patriots offense can continue their trend of the past couple of weeks of sort of getting on track and establishing an identity. I think this is a game that they win. You know, this is a very fascinating stretch for New England right now. This is a fascinating game. I think they win this one. That gets them to 500. Then after that, Arizona's a tough one. Chargers and the Rams, that back-to-back on the West Coast. Miami, the Bills, and the Jets. We've come a long way since where we thought we were a couple weeks ago, so it's nice to have at least some potential playoff thoughts in our heads. Um, But this is a game that I think the Patriots should win. That will do it for today. I will be back Sunday night slash Monday morning. A little post-game show um, recapping, hopefully, a win, and hopefully it's a glorious victory installment of the show. show. But until then, friends, stay safe. Wash the hands. Wear the masks. Check in on your loved ones, your neighbors when you can. uh, Do the social distancing. Help seems to be on the way, um, so we're pushing through this as best as we can. But when you wash those hands, sin along and bless those Patriots' reigns down in Foxborough.